You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Daily Hammer, your daily news source when it comes to the Atlanta Braves as part of the Battery Power Podcast Network. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening that you are having a wonderful start to your Friday. And of course, with it being January, we're now at the end of the month. As I mentioned a few times, there's been a lot of important dates in the month of January, but one of those important dates happened to be a date where the Braves were very busy, and that was International Signing Day 2023. And to get some analysis, some perspective on what was a pretty big haul for the Braves, 21 signees this year, there's not many better people to talk with than Matt Powers. If you've been following Battery Power for years now, if you've been a part of Braves country for years, you know Matt's excellent work covering you know the prospects for, for Battery Power and in general. But Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Looking forward to having you, sir. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to talking about some of these kids, especially the big name Guanipa that just signed. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, you can follow Matt and his excellent work. Uh, Matt's been covering, you know, during the MLB draft, part of the Battery Power uh, breakdown. You know, right now we've got the Battery Power Top 25 going on at BatteryPower.com. We'll get into a little bit as well. But you can follow Matt at MattPowers31 on Twitter. But Matt, let's get to it. So January 15th came around. And of course, you know, we're now past the shock of once again being able to actually be active during the international signing period. It was kind of ironic that uh, John Capalella's, you know, reinstatement to Major League Baseball happened right around the time that the international signing period occurred. But the Braves now for a few years have been back into the mold of having their full capacity to take on the ability to sign international prospects. And this year, what stands out Quantity, I don't necessarily want to say over quality, because I'll be honest, I'm not the most knowledgeable on a lot of these kids, but this was a big signing class. And for a brave system that especially needs to restock at, at the lower levels, this seems like it's it's a good sign, being able to sign 21 new talents. And that really has to be encouraging, you know, for those who cover the Braves system with their player development ability, getting so many intriguing talents in place has to stand out about this class. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely agree. Uh, just like the last two classes where we were able to sign, last year was also a full class. The year before was really only about a half of a class, but it's been uh, assigned the one big name and then just go with whatever else you can. And uh, I think this year, better than last year, with that one big name, they were able to add a little bit more overall talent to go with the whole package instead of just focus on one player like they did last year so it's definitely the most well-rounded class we've seen in probably about a decade by the break 
And that's certainly encouraging. Of course, you know, unfortunately, what had a bit to do with that was uh, the the penalties that were in place for a few years. But hey, you know what? We're past that. No need to discuss it. Let's discuss, though, obviously, the, the, the crown jewel of the Braves class, and that is outfielder Luis Guanipa from Venezuela. Um, the Braves signed him uh, as part of, of this class. I believe that he worked his way into the top 10 of a few outlets when it came to ranking the top prospects in this class, but a really solid all-around prospect. And I know that he's not the you know biggest prospect, but still pl- packs plenty of punch when it comes to his offensive approach. Um, it seems like that the Braves, and I know that there are some other opinions out there, definitely seems like the Braves are excited about adding Luis Guanipa to this farm system. Yeah, and he's actually gotten quite a bit bigger. I think part of the reason that you'll see him in the top 10 on some sites and uh, Pipeline, I want to say, is the one that has him outside of their top 30 is because of his height. Uh, he, up until recently, even on Pipeline, was listed at five foot nine, 190 pounds, but he's grown two inches to 5'11", 190. And obviously, if you're only 5'9", that has uh, some impact on your power projection, at least at this stage in your career until you can go out and prove that you're still able to hit for power up at the top levels in the minor leagues on the way up to the big leagues. So uh, that explains why some sites have them ranked within their top 10 in the class. Some don't even have them in their top 30, but uh, he's a Venezuelan 5'11", 190. He is average or better across the board with all of his tools. Really, in addition to that growth spurt he hit, he really seems to have made strides with his hitting tool over the last year or so. Um, it's probably potential 55-60 type of a hit tool. Uh, he's got a feel for hitting, but it's his bat speed, and that's also where that power comes from, just that natural bat speed. Uh, very good outfielder. Uh, they've talked about him being the center fielder, even though probably they're second and third most important signings in this class are also outfielders and uh the guy that they have in right field who we'll talk about in a minute is actually a very good fielder as well with a strong arm and a natural center fielder but uh they have basically said he doesn't compare to Guanipa as a defender so he's obviously a hit power speed guy but he's also a very good defensive outfielder I'm I'm not gonna say he's gonna be another Michael Harris or anything but uh it's not out of the question that you could have another Acuna type of an impact defensively with him if everything works out obviously just talking about the defense right now but uh he's really got every tool you'd like to see and now that he has grown a little bit into a 5'11 frame uh really the potential is probably as high as any hitter in the system right now in terms of top to bottom tool package. So he is the crown jewel of this class and probably ranks right up there as maybe even the highest out of the big three international signings we've seen over the last three years with MBRS Tavares and Diego Benitez from last year's class. Certainly high praise, so, you know, with, with, with Guanipa. And, you know, you mentioned something in there, along with a lot of the talents, it seems like, again, an all-around talent that seems to be something the Braves certainly focus on when it comes to their position player targets in these international signing classes. But another key thing that you mentioned, 
is that he's Venezuelan. And of course, uh, you know, the Braves have their own, you know, pretty talented right fielder from Venezuela um, in their, in the majors right now. That's Ronald Acuna Jr. Um, uh, Dave O'Brien of uh, the Athletic talked with one of the uh, top uh, names on the Braves international scene when it comes to prospects in the minors. And he talked about, you know, how Acuna's impact, his influence is very relevant, how how Acuna stands out, especially in a baseball hotbed like Venezuela. You know, just speaking to that, it seems as if the Braves definitely, since they've gotten back into really being active on the international signing front, Venezuela seems to be a focus of theirs. That naturally could be because of how, you know, much talent comes from there, but it certainly seems as if the Braves have a very good presence and some of that could be tied to Acuna. Oh yeah, I completely agree with that. Uh, I mean, Winnipe isn't even the only very promising Venezuelan outfielder that the Braves have signed in this year's class. Uh, the prospects have made mention of Acuna looking up to him. Um, I want to say it was Guanipa off the top of my head that had a batting practice with Acuna um, that was able to work out because of trainers. But uh, stuff like that has really gone a long way to helping the Braves, who already were uh, well-known and well-respected down in Latin America, but having Acuna really become the star he is has just helped even more. Well, of course, you know, the thing about it is, is that when you sign, you know, such a big class, again, 21 signees in this international class, at how young the age that they are, attrition is naturally going to happen. So while we hope Winipa certainly turns into a significant part of the Braves' future, there also is likely, you know, uh, two or three other, you know, standout players. You can tell usually by the amount of money that's spent towards them. Two or three other players that really stand out. Matt, just a couple of other names that, you know, as Braves fans look for names to follow in a minor league system where – all prospects have every opportunity in front of them with how wide open, you know, prospect rankings are right now for the Braves system. A couple of other names that stand out from this class, maybe even, you know, one on the mound that that really stands out to you as being very intriguing moving forward. So the second biggest bonus guy that they've signed, at least reported bonus, because uh, there's some conflict going on down in Latin America. So some players and countries uh, do their best to try to get that number under the radar a little bit uh, just because those players still have family down there. Uh, that would be Carlos Monteverde, uh, another outfielder. He's the guy I referenced before when talking about the other Venezuelan center fielder that the Braves sign that will play right field. He's a very good uh, center fielder defensively, but will be moving to right field at least when they play in the DSL uh, or wherever they end up at, depending on how they look in extended. But he's, uh, I guess he's a bat first guy, I want to say, but the defense is also very strong, uh, really good power and approach, and he's got the arm and the range to really be a very strong defensive right fielder, uh, 700,000 for him. Uh, then the other outfielder they signed, a Dominican this time, John Estevez, from, uh, he's going to be their left fielder. He's a pure bat-first guy with plenty of power, a guy that they're going to really need to work on getting the hit tool to actually improve so that he's able to get that raw power out in games. Uh, but right there, 
assuming that Winnipeg does not impress enough to move up to the United States this year, that right there is your DSL outfield this year from left to right, Estevez, Guanipa, and Monteverde. Uh, those three combined take up about 3.6 of the Braves' 5.2 million right there. A uh, couple other guys signed for 200,000 plus as well. Uh, one of them is a Dominican shortstop, Carlos Cordero. Uh, another Dominican shortstop, uh, Mario Baez, who's a speed guy. Uh, he got 240,000, another, uh, 240,000 guy, the one significant ish pitcher that they've signed and it's pitchers are even harder to really figure out at that age, just because you don't know where they're going to be throwing at by the time they're even 18. It's hard enough with high school right-handed pitchers who are 18, 19 years old, and you're signing these kids at 16, but making the agreements with them at ages 13, 14, and 15. So the Braves' money, even though the overall numbers are in favor of pitchers, I believe, in this class, the money significantly goes towards the hitters. But the one pitcher that they signed from also from Venezuela is Jeremy Reyes, a former outfielder himself, but he's up to uh, 96 with a very promising slider. Uh, and they have a Cuban catcher, uh, Hohans Hernandez, who is a guy they really like the defense of. He didn't actually sign for much. He was a $40,000 signing, but uh, the defense on him gives him a very promising start for a team that really loves to add extra catchers down in the lower levels. Absolutely, we we know we know we know Alex Andopoulos is a um, focus on catchers when it comes to the draft or obviously international signing and, and things such as that. So that's a great breakdown, man. And so it leads me to this other question. You know, I know that I've been mentioning a few times. You know, the fact that the one unique thing about the Braves minor league system entering this year versus past years is that now, especially with Spencer Strider and and, and Michael Harris. In the majors, the Braves minor league system, when I say it's wide open, what I mean is, is that it's one of the lower ranked system, but there's plenty of opportunity, not only for prospects that are already in the system, but plenty of opportunity for this, um, for the Braves organization to build it up. So the question I have is, is that when it comes to Alex Anthopoulos, now looking to build back up the farm system instead of having it well stocked like he's had for years. Is this kind of his approach? We know that he typically likes to focus on, you know, talented arms at the top of the actual draft, but it seems like that he likes to really go after hitter quantity when it comes to the international signing um, classes. Is that kind of his approach? I mean, how should we look at how he approaches the draft versus the international signing classes as a way to build up the Braves system? Is it going to be the arms through the draft and then position players through the international uh, draft or signing classes? Or is it that simple? I think it breaks down that way. Maybe not always intentionally. Uh, some of the strengths in some of the most recent drafts where the Braves picked just happened to be pitching. So it's obviously take a pitcher there who is the best available player or best available for the amount of money that you want to spend so that you can work with a bigger bonus pool later or reach a little bit to grab the best available hitter. So uh, there's some of that into play. I don't think it's necessarily look for arms, but I do think they prefer arms as not so much that they're 
hundred percent focused on doing it that way, but it, they definitely seem to believe that it's easier to scout and develop uh, bats at the Latin American level as opposed to arms. And that's partly based on the age that you're signing them and the future development they have to get to versus where prospects in the draft are actually at at this point. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And it, it's fun to see, you know, especially when, you know, you don't have, you know, there's the top tier prospects getting to know some names that you can follow for years are a lot of fun to see. You know, this also is the time, you know, I talk about the fact that mid-January is an international, you know, signing period, but late January after you get past the Hall of Fame boat, that becomes a time when you start to see a lot of the top 100 classes out there. And, you know, Matt, for years, you know, from, you know, basically 2015 all the way really through 2019, 2020, we were, you know, used to seeing plenty of Braves prospects on a lot of these national top 100 lists. But this year, we don't see any, you know, in, in a lot of these um, top 100 lists. But we also know Alex Adopoulos, as mentioned before, he's fine with that. You know, he's fine with, you know, his prospects potentially being underrated. So I'll pose this question to you. May not necessarily see a Brave in the top 100 class right now, but a name or two that you think could make a push to be in mid-season top 100 lists with a strong showing at the start of 2023? There's actually quite a few of them. Uh, A.J. smith Schaffer, who is uh, number one on our own top 25 list, uh, is a guy that could have actually pushed for the top 100 this year had he not gone down towards the middle second half of last season with an injury that has not really been talked about by the team very much. They've really kept that under wraps. Uh, obviously didn't pitch again the rest of the year. Uh, his status for this year is still not completely known. So it's hard to really judge where he might be at next year at this time. But if he didn't get hurt, he might have been on the top 100 this year. And other sites, national sites, were starting to really take some note of that with his rise last year. A uh, couple of the arms that they drafted just last year, Owen Murphy, J.R. Ritchie, Cole Phillips. Obviously, Phillips is another guy coming off an injury. But uh, depending on how well they start out their 2023 20, seasons now, they could actually push their way into the mix. And the same for another injured arm, a uh, guy from not last year's draft, but the year before now, so 2021, Spencer Swellenbach, who still has not made his pro debut after surgery uh, 
just following the 2021 draft, the second round pick that year, he's a guy who could push his way in. He should be healthy for the start of the season, but uh, if he pitches the way that the Braves are expecting him to, based on all the comments that they've made, and they really love this kid, that they nearly took him in the first round uh, back in 2021, but uh, some medical questions around him led him to dropping a little bit because he already had a past arm injury and was not uh, pitching in practice that season because of some arm troubles, but he didn't actually end up getting hurt until after he signed. So if he's able to stay healthy and pitch well, he could be up into that top hundred. And once again, it seems like, you know, especially with uh, Justin Henry Malloy now traded to uh, Detroit in the, in the Joe Jimenez trade, you know, he seemed like he was really the top guy position-wise um, to, uh, to to focus on. So it seems like the pitching, once again, you know, and this is what the Braves typically do. You know, I know, I know that Smith Schauber and, and others have been mentioned before. So those kind of are still the, you know, Seems pitching is really where the strength of this minor league system is. But I asked um, uh, Garrett, you know, a fellow Braves writer, um, you know, or Mays minor league um, coverage guy with battery power. I asked him, who's a hitter that really stands out that could take off this year? If we're really talking about the Braves minor league system being wide open, hitting position players is really where a guy could take off. Just a name that you think, you know, maybe Braves fans are familiar with, but he really could start to get some hype around him with a strong start to 2023. Um, that would have to be Ambiaris Tavares, who was the top Braves international signing. So this is 2023, 2021 now at this time. The one guy that they signed in because of it being really just a half of the bonus pool in the first year back from sanctions, they basically gave it all to him. Uh, he didn't actually play in the 2021 year because the Braves didn't have a DSL team. Started out last year a uh, little later, didn't get much time because he was coming off an injury. So he's going into his first normal offseason, just made his pro debut, uh, big-time hitting prospect. Uh, signed as a shortstop, more likely to be a third baseman long-term. Uh, but I'd have to go with either him or last year's top international guy, Diego Benitez, who is actually going to stick at shortstop. Uh, played in the DSL last year, will move stateside this year, play in the FCL. Uh, but those, one of those two guys would have to be who I'd most likely take. So definitely some fun names of Garrett Spain, who I was referring to for some reason. His last name escaped my mind. But so a lot of interesting names coming in at, you know, different levels. The international signing class, recent drafts, some names that we're seeing at the top of the minor league system. So, again, even though there may not be notable names, that's the whole excitement part of it, right? You get to see some guys who can become notable names. So that certainly will be something to watch uh, for Braves country. But, you know, Matt, there's also some other news that occurred when it came to, you know, a direct impact on the Braves, you know, minor league approach and their farm system is that director of scouting, Dana Brown, earlier today, a guy who's kind of been in the mix with, uh, you know, a few organizations when it came to a top executive position with them, he was named the new general manager of the Houston Astros. And it's no secret as to why he was viewed as being a top guy, you know, with how much success he's had identifying talent when it comes to the draft. Matt, 
He obviously has done a great job continuing to keep the minor league system restocked. But with this talent that he's shown of identifying talent, it seems like that this may be a less than ideal time to lose him because there's a bigger need now to identify that talent. Just overall, how significant of a loss is Dana Brown and you know his consistent ability of being able to find real value in the in the MLB draft, in my in the amateur draft. I'd say it's uh, it's an important loss, but I'd hesitate to say it's going to be a major loss because I do believe that Alex Anthopoulos believes in the draft, believes in smart, qualified people. So I believe that he's going to put somebody very talented in that role and let them have the job. How he decides to break it down, whether it's uh, an external hiring, an internal promotion, or maybe it's uh, a job split up internally between a couple other guys without anyone actually getting a title bump. But uh, they'll have options internally and externally, and I expect them to draft well just because Anthopolis has done that dating back to his time in Toronto, whether it's been under any scouting director so brown is very good i mean nobody's drafted better in the last four years that's the length of time that he's been here and drafting at this point but nobody's drafted better in the league so losing him does hurt but i don't think it'll be as major as some people do believe at the initial reaction point but it definitely does hurt at the same time Absolutely. Of course, we're with Matt Powers here. You know, Matt Powers 31 on Twitter, one of the best when it comes to coverage of the minor leagues, not only for the Braves, but in general, you know, great stuff from him year in and year out. So, you know, Matt, we've talked a bunch about the Braves minor league system, them getting talent back into it, restocking talent, things like that. But I want to throw a bit of a curveball to you. Obviously, the Braves have done a great job in terms of locking up this young talent that is at the major league level. But, you know, for someone, you know, who's looking at the success that Michael Harris and Spencer Strider had last year and how much initial success that they had, what are your thoughts about them sustaining that success? And I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer or anything like that. I think there's a very good chance that they do. But do you feel that when it comes to two players who probably had more of an impact than anybody really thought that they would, their ability to sustain that success and truly year in and year out, be at an all-star level or better level of production, you know, how likely do you feel that is for them to be able to sustain this initial success that they had as the league starts to adjust to them as they see them more often? I think Strider especially is due to take a little bit of a downfall uh, just because what he did last year was literally historic. I mean, he's done stuff that has never been done in the history of baseball, breaking the record for the fastest to for any pitcher, not just a rookie to hit 200 strikeouts in a season. So you can't, really improve upon something that's never been done before right so there's nowhere to go but down and even with the downfall slight downfall to where he was already at he could still be looking at uh, a number one number two starter so uh i do think there's some drop off there but i do think he still ends up being 
at least a number two starter, possibly even still a number one starter for them, uh, just because he's that unhittable. Uh, Michael Harris, I think what we saw this year, I think the overall number line, that seems sustainable. I think some of the hot streaks that he had early in his time in Atlanta are just a little unsustainable, but I think the overall line should be pretty sustainable for a guy like him. He's just that talented, works that hard, uh, doesn't really have too many holes to his game. So you're really getting the whole package there. And it's going to be exciting to see. And, you know, obviously there's plenty of things to talk about when it comes to the Braves minor league system, obviously this time of year prospects in general. And so Matt, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. What might you be working on and where can folks find your excellent work when it comes to leading up to, I know that the battery power top 25 is going on right now. If you want to plug anything with it to all the re- to all the listeners who are enjoying that at batterypower.com, but please take the time to just plug anything that you're working on since we're kind of in prospect season for the 2023 campaign. Um, that's really what we're working on right now. The final five, the top five are going to be dra- dropping today. Uh, don't know if they're going to go up before this or after this, but it's definitely going to be dropping today as that list is now finished. So you can see our entire top 25 as well as the honorable mentions. So there's still going to be 30 names that got written up in the system. And we're going to start looking forward to the coverage for the 2023 season. And Matt, the other thing that I'll ask you is this, you know, I talked about, you know, a pitcher or, you know, hitter that could, you know, really move up, you know, maybe being in that top 100 status. But from that battery power list, you know, are there a couple of names that, you know, as, as readers, listeners to the podcast, they, they really dive into this top 25 list. Are there a couple of names out there that could surprise, you know, maybe they're not a top hundred prospect this year, but they really could take off unexpectedly to be at towards the top of the Braves minor league system. Just anyone that you're really intrigued about that right now may not necessarily be getting, you know, the hype that they may deserve. Yeah. um, One guy who really comes to mind is actually another one of the Braves more recent draft picks just from last year, Ignacio Alvarez. Nacho Alvarez, the uh, third baseman that the Braves drafted out of a California Juco. He's a very, very strong fielding third baseman. Was able to actually play some shortstop in the minor leagues. Has some feel for hitting, a little bit of power in his game, but he's definitely a guy that's going to be worth watching. Uh, So he's probably my favorite player to watch, at least right now in the Braves. 2022 draft but there's just so many talented options from that class and i know in talking with matt offline as well as garrett spain and others you know we you know brave system you know again with it being towards the you know lower rankings on things maybe there's not as much natural in that national spotlight on how the braves have drafted you know over the past couple years but it really seems like in terms of their depth there's a lot of strength there. And I know Matt had mentioned in his breakdown of Dana Brown heading to the Astros. That's something that stood out, the Braves' ability to get value. You know, as you get into the lower rounds of the draft, it definitely seems like that's an organizational strength instead of just one person. So it's great to see that the Braves, you know, even though they may not necessarily be ranked that high, you know, from a lot of outlets, 
there's plenty of talent to be exciting about moving forward. And Matt, this has been a great time. I'm excited about the next time we may get to speak with you. Hopefully, you know, towards the middle of the season, we might uh, be able to catch back up with you and talk about, you know, some mid-season mover and shakers that are really shining on the Braves farm. Thank you for taking the time to talk with us this evening. Thank you. No. His name is Matt Powers. You can find him at Matt Powers 31 on Twitter. Obviously, him, Garrett Spain, many others' uh, contributions when it comes to the Bra- the Battery Power Top 25. Make sure you follow Matt and also follow the great work when it comes to the prospect coverage over at BatteryPower.com. And you can find all the great podcast content, the Battery Power Podcast, um, Daily Hammer, the podcast to be named later, Anywhere where you listen to podcasts, that's where we'll be for free. Batterypower.com, BatteryPowerSBN across all forms of social media. My name's Sean Coleman. You can find me at StatsSAC on Twitter. For Matt Powers, Sean Coleman, have a great one. Go Braves. We'll talk to you again soon here on The Daily Hammer. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.